The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. So you may well have noticed we did not put the show out yesterday on the Monday for obvious reasons, Kev. Yes, indeed. thought it was the right thing to do. Yeah. And, and uh, paying our respects to uh, the Queen and obviously the uh, the feeling of, of, well, our nation at the moment, we thought that was the, the correct thing to do. Um, now, coming few weeks, Kev, it's going to get very busy for you. You are at, and this feels very strange to say, by the way, and this time travel thing is always difficult to keep up with on this podcast, but today you are at the photography show. So if you're hearing this show on the day that it does go out, it was designed to go out on Tuesday, uh, then uh, and, and you're heading your, to, to the photography show, Kev's going to be on stage. I will. I will be. Uh, it's Tuesday today in the yeah. real world, isn't it? So... Yeah. I- <laughs> Oh, God, <laughs> keep up, keep up, love, keep well, up. My world. Uh, so, yes, if you are going to the photography show today and you are still listening on the Tuesday, yes, uh, I will be on the Fujifilm stand at 1.50. 1.50. 1.50. 2.30, yeah. Uh, and what what are you doing? Uh, Kev, you, you have written this, haven't you? <laughs> you do well, know what you're doing. Kev's going to be on stage. Are you just going to stand out there and look like a rabbit in headlights? <laughs> no, I, uh, I was just looking at my notes actually, and, and I'm doing. I'll be doing. I'll be showing some new work, and also I will be doing a live edit, oh, uh, a Lightroom live edit. edit of some oh. wedding pictures. Yes, Bar- there you go. Barney's just said a Welsh rabbit in headlights. Very <laughs> clever, Barney. Boom he's, boom. He's he, he's on fire today. The Fuji Cast. Well, not literally, obviously. That would be a little bit worrying. But uh, yes, welcome to the Fuji Cast. Our fortnight. Somebody said the other wrote in the other day and said um, this should be. You should say fortnightly, not bi-monthly, because this is confusing everybody. So uh, I think Kev. Now we we might use fortnightly. Fortnightly, so, I can understand. Yeah. No. What? So can I? Why didn't you think of that before? <laughs> Isn't that so? That means we have to do it in that online computer game, yeah? Oh, the kids go on. <laughs> Can you imagine that with uh, characters? Hey? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I'm not sure I could dress up in the leggings that they dress up as uh, as characters. Anyway, welcome to the Fuji cast. Here we are. Uh, it's our fortnightly show. You and your letters from the, the mailbag. If you're sending in by email, they come to click at fujicast.co.uk. Um, have we done better on uh, Facebook of late, Kev? Uh, ooh, I, um, hang on. <laughs> <laughs> Don't say you've not checked that either. What remember the um, remember the the um, podcast workshop I'm I'm doing I'm yeah. presenting, yeah. where I just say what you do is you sit down totally unprepared and then let Neil do all of the work. That's uh, th- that's coming up very well. Right? <laughs> Killing time. I can't have lost my. Oh my uh, god! There it is. Right. Yes. Um, yeah, we got a few. We got oh, a few. good. Thank yes. heavens for that. Well done. And we do have a second part of our guest, Ben Crispin. I did enjoy your your first part a couple of weeks ago. Um, he's a very... I always thought of Ben Crispin as, as obviously... Because he is a, a bit of a sort of rock and roll star of, uh, of, of, star of, that, of that wedding and social photography uh, genre that, that he's in. But he's a really down-to-earth bloke, isn't he? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I've always loved his work. Yeah, um, yeah. And... Uh, and you're right. He is, you know, in that term, rock star of, <laughs> of wedding photography. But he would not call himself that. No, oh, there, no. there are plenty that would. 
um, but he would not, I don't think. Uh, no, he's very humble and um, as much a great, great photographer as he is, as so is his wife, Erin. Yeah, yeah. um, uh, uh, he's as good a businessman as well. It's Sorry. interesting when he talks about the size of the studio, because I always think of Chrisman Studios as this big mammoth building, high-rise yeah. building. But he says, no, it's a humble little operation. There's just a few of us there. And yeah, uh, it's that kind of thing that's that, that, uh, he's real down to earth. I really, I really enjoyed listening to that. And you'll have the second part today. Yes. So we have some bump to the fronts, don't we? We do, indeed. So, first of all, I shall give a little call out to our new patrons. By the way, if you are a patron, you can, um, it does help us. Uh, you can pay a few pennies. And what you get now is you get a patron pop up show mm. fortnightly. <laughs> What's funny about that, Malins? <laughs> For every two weeks, bi monthly, <laughs> bi annually, fortnightly, every 14 days, uh, whenever we remember to do it. Yeah. Um, which is a, a short expansion on a subject that we speak about during the show for patrons only. And um, we have Peter, I'm going to say Yehel, J-E-H-L-E. Peter Yehel. Katie Dokin, um Taha Barkeet. Right. Oh, no. I'm not on. laughing I'm, at people's names, by the way. I'm, I'm just... It's, no. It's some, no people, so, but some people say it's the favourite part of the show is where Kev... Uh, pronounces the names <laughs> and i got a, I, I feel really bad for uh taha because he actually went to the point of sending me a message telling me how to pronounce his name yeah and he said uh the kh sounds like a spanish j aha aha uh, yeah. so taha bahit that's how we'll go with that isn't it ha ha what no it's taha i thought you said the, i thought you said the t was a ha no the k with the kh oh, like right okay so you've got it right yeah, anyway, <laughs> Kevin Johnston's next. <laughs> Ian Wally, um, Whaley, W-H-A-L-L-E-Y. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not covering myself in glory today. I'm like Craig Smith, Paul Hunt, Sean Garelli, and uh, Jerry O'Farrell. Thank you very much for supporting the show. Very much appreciated. And yes, we do have bumped to the front questions that have come in. That's your other um, benefit of a patron. You get your questions answered first. Okay. Um, let, let's do, we want to mention pick time because uh, they're sponsoring us as well. But let's do a couple of bump to the fronts. Then we'll have a chat about pick time. Yes. Okay. So uh, the first bump to the front is from Taha Bahit. And he says, uh, how would you go about improving one's eye for abstract street photography? Uh, he does share a link to uh, Instagram.com. Sarah, S-A-R-H-V-A-N-R-I-J. Um, so the question is, how would you go about improving one's eye for abstract street photography like that? We will obviously link to this Instagram account as well. Mm -hmm. Is it more exposure to photos like theirs or getting into studying art? The style of photos usually uses longer focal lengths, yeah. which is very unforgiving unless one has the vision of the end results already before exposing the image. Very well composed question, that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, looking at Sarah's work, there's a real mixture of abstract going on. It's not like she has one particular style of abstract. There are uh, some double exposures, for example there's the the use of uh, of people walking through and out of light or into light and then there's compositions that i'm just <laughs> i'm trying to work out what's going on in some of the compositions so it's a real mixture isn't it real inventive eye that uh, she has yeah i mean some of it is is straight down the line amazing yeah. street photography with a creative composition Absolutely. some of it is more art i would suggest i think i mean the one that struck me when i looked at this 
was the one in the what looks like it's a hotel room, the black and white one about halfway down the, the, the Instagram page. Right. And it's a reflection. And there's in the window, it says hotel Huntington, probably mean probably Huntington, which is right. covered by the curtains. And you've got a uh, a mirror, and you, so you can see the the bed in in one side of the frame. Yeah. Um, and then on the left hand side of the frame, you can see this lady's leg and an arm. And then <laughs> on the other side, you can see these shoes. You know, there's nothing set up or double exposure about that. That's just very very clever use. That's somebody of, clever use of a mirror, as much. Yeah, as very clever. Yeah. But so yeah, I mean, it's it's. I mean, much of it is well. No, actually, that's not right. I was about to say much of it is contrived. That's nonsense. Some of it's contrived to to make the abstract uh, picture to to make an abstract composition. Some of it isn't. Some of it is straight, just very clever observations on the street. Wow. Yeah, and some of it's editorial as well. Yeah, so yeah. There's yeah, it is, uh, yeah. you know there's advertising work in here as well, which is amazing, incredible. I mean, to answer Taha's question, I would say, yeah. I mean, you've got to you've got to have an incredible eye. I I I don't think I have that kind of eye in me or or patience really to to see a scene like that and then kind of study and wait. But if you look, if you look, if if we take the pure street photography stuff, as brilliant as it is, I think there's two things that come through in here, and that is primary colours and geometry. So probably when um, Sarah goes out for a street photography day, that's in her fo- in her mind. Geometry, primary colours. And and as I always say, you know, if you if you don't go out with with something in your mind, you'll you'll rarely get something. But yeah. if you go out with something specific in your mind, then you will be able to you, you know you look for it harder and you'll find it easier. Mm. Um, so yeah, I mean, look at there's a lot of there's some very amazing pictures here that are uh, you know kind of Elliot Erwitt esque. Um, there's you know I mean the the color stuff, the reflections in the street and everything are just beautiful. Mm. Is a wonderful thread. I was looking through it the other day. Really, really wonderful. You will not ever just get up one day, walk around for two hours, three hours, four hours, whatever it is, without having something to look for and get this stuff. But at the same time, you know, you don't want to. You don't want to be the same as everybody else, do you? So just she's a, build a your own style. A Dutch photographer, Sarah Ran Ran Vick. I'm, I'm just looking at her um, her online presence, her website. And as I looked at the commission work, I saw Vogue Italia, New York Times, Dior, uh, Hermes, um, Hermes rather. Uh, yeah. What, the delivery company? No, <laughs> no, Kev, not the delivery company. <laughs> Have you never bought Hermes a gift for the, for the wonderful Gemma? Um, I'll just go to Elizabeth Duke in Argos. <laughs> oh, Kev, you're such a romantic soul. Uh, also, by the way, while we're talking about that, um, I, I'm going to draw your attention to uh, not, not Hermes the shop, but uh, abstract work. Have you ever heard of Luke Saxon? I became aware of his work only very, very recently, where he takes two pictures and he overlays them. So, for example, you get a man that's sitting down on a bench, profile shot, and the top of his head is, is is overlaid with a picture of all this sort of steel work that's raggedy-taggedy, so it looks like his hair. Stuff like that. Oh, yes, I had seen that. I wasn't aware of the name, but yeah, I, that, I had seen that at very, some point. Very, very clever, very, very inventive. There's, yeah. There's a bloke up a telegraph pole 
Well, the telegraph pole is the bottom of the shot. And then the top of the shot, uh, he's replaced the top of the telegraph pole with a tree surgeon who's at the top of a tree just cutting some branches down. And it looks like he's climbed the tele telegraph pole, which has branches growing out the top. Yeah, very clever stuff. Um, again, inventive, looking and thinking, what can I do with that? What what does that become in my mind? Yeah, yeah it's incredible, stuff. isn't it? Some people are just, they're just so talented, mm. however that manifests itself. You know, we're all talented in a way, but you know, some people you just look and you think, my word, that's just off the scale. Visionaries, Kev, visionaries. Yeah, visionaries. visual visionaries. Yes. Right, um, bump to the front. Let's do one more. Okay, Stephen Anker. He says, hello again, folks. Welcome back from your respective holidays. I know that both of you have spoken well of the X-T3 in the past. However, I am reading reports of technical failures with this model. Uh, more than I have heard regarding other cameras. Uh, is this something a prospective purchaser ought to be concerned about? Also, how much difference in technical terms is there between an X-T3 and an X-Pro3? Um, thanks always uh, for the podcast. Um, Steve, whose Instagram is at SA underscore photos. And he says, uh, P.S. I did the neighbor's wedding at the registry office as discussed on the Zoom. Uh, Neil, you will be pleased to know that uh, the Vice Squad T-shirt was left at home. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Good um, indeed. Yeah. Um, well, the X-Pro3 I've never had, so I, I can't even begin to... T well, apart from the fact that, you know, you're, you're working with a rangefinder-type styled camera and uh, a DSLR-ish type styled camera. So first of all, Stephen's question was, I'm hearing complaints about the X-T3 in terms of technical failures yeah. more than any other... Well, I've not, I've not heard that. I've not read that mm. no me neither and uh you know we we in the foodcast facebook group we do you know lots of people put in in posts in there about mm. you know things that have gone wrong things have gone right all that kind of stuff and i wouldn't say there's a recurring theme of xt3s and problems i've got an xt3 i used it um two and a half years or whatever until you know the x pro 3 came out or the xt4 whatever um and no no issues none whatsoever it was prone at the beginning to lockups before they did the first firmware update. Yeah, um, that was really the the cat, the one camera that that struggled right at the very beginning because it had that new super fast sensor in it. Um, but they fixed that pretty quick. And and no, I've no, I can't say that some you know I've I've heard recurring problems with the XT3 at all. Yeah, um, it'll be good fact, to know I, I, what what kind of problems are being reported. Well, yeah, exactly. I I, I know also for a fact that the X-T3 is one of the best-selling cameras in the range So uh, since since the X-Trans came along. So I'm going to put my hand up and say, no, they're wrong. There we go. <laughs> um, and the difference between the X-T3 and the X-Pro3, yeah. ultimately, not a lot. Um, uh, stylistics, heuristics, ergonomics, um, that kind of stuff. X-T3 obviously is more DSLR-styled. Yeah. It's the same sensor inside, as in fact is the X-T4 um xt4 is um you know kind of it's got the um backlit sensor and various other little bits of technology filming wise yeah. uh it's got embodied image stabilization which xt3 x pro 3 don't but ultimately if you're choosing between the xt3 and the x pro 3 hands on the table you're basically choosing based on which one you like to use the best yeah rather than performance and gubbins i, I suppose if you're shooting uh, video it comes into play though yeah, well yes i mean in terms of there is more dedicated control to yeah. in the xt3 but only just uh you know you've got the you, you've got a different tilt screen and stuff like that it, it really 
There is nothing you can do in the X-T3, as far as I'm aware, in terms of filming, that you can't do in the X-Pro3. It's just it might be easier to with the dials to just switch to the film mode and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I, 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 the drive button, yeah. various things. I've, like never, I've never considered filming with pros. No, well, most, most people wouldn't film with an X-Pro3 purely yeah. because of the rear LCD and it only flips yeah. down one way. Yeah. Um, you can't flip it around or anything like that. Uh, and also the viewfinder, the um, inside the um, the viewfinder is smaller. So if you do shoot, if you are filming and looking through the viewfinder, the XT3 is bigger, yeah. uh, has a bigger viewfinder, and yeah. uh, is is a all over nicer what, experience. What's heurist- heuristics, by the way? I've got all their records. Didn't it blow my mind? <laughs> <laughs> Heuristics, they're like, um, well, the I might be way off here, but it's like the rule, the rules of, of, um, design, you know, the oh. way that something looks and feels, right. I think. Um, right. Pick time. Um, thanks to our good friends at pick time for showing some faith in the show and, uh, sponsoring us for a little while across some of the shows. I use pick time. Kev uses pick time, uh, pick hyphen time.com is where you go to. And, I, 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 it's come into its own for me of, of late. I had a couple of really good um, sales months, Kev, uh, where where people were buying prints off the uh, uh, off the. I don't know why why that suddenly happened. I, I sort of go in these waves, really. I, it seems to be sort of cruising a nice wave at the moment of people buying. And I, I know that's got lots to do with the fact that when I present my work on pick time. Uh, and money where my mouth is because I pay for it. I, I can, I can, it's just, it looks so much cleaner as a presentation website than anything else I've used. I just feel this looks a lot, lot cleaner, a lot better, and, and gives, I think, clients a much better experience when they go to the website. Yeah, absolutely. And, and don't forget, if you are listening and you're interested in pick time, you will get one month free using the code FUJICAST. Uh, all uppercase. Um, yeah, absolutely. I, interestingly, I had a, uh, an album sale come through, uh, no, Tuesday, bi-weekly, 14 days ago, um, around about the 113rd of last month. Um, last Tuesday, was, last Tuesday then. It was the mother of a, of a groom, actually. Right. Um, well, I thought you were going to say it's the mother of a sale then. I was thinking, careful, <laughs> she, careful, she'd, careful. Called, she'd called me up a couple of days ago and said, uh, I'd like to order an album. And uh, she said, how do I do it? And I said, you log on to the gallery and you press shop and then you design your own album and you can put your own words on it. And then you press buy and I get the money, you get your book, everybody's happy and I don't have to do any work. I didn't say that bit to her, um, but it was great. She actually went and, um, and made herself a really nice book. Um, I would always suggest, you don't have to do this, by the way, but I would always suggest for printed product using PickTime that you have the orders come to you uh, for check-in first. So it's called put them on hold. So when she ordered the album, for example, it came to me, I get an email that says your customer has ordered something, it's on hold until you check it. So I then go in, make sure that she hasn't um, made any glaring errors, and then I press confirm or send to print, and off it goes to the lab, and then she will get her album. Um, for digital downloads, then, and, and um, you know, kind of um, slideshow downloads, if you if you choose to sell, sell those, then I just I don't put those on hold. They just go straight away. So you can, if, if you think, well, that looks like the dog's dinner of design, you can say, well, I think we should perhaps tweak this and this and this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although I've never had to do that, I have to say, all the people that have ordered stuff, you generally it's prints and and, and albums and stuff like that. So, um, and it's really interesting, actually. I, I find it really interesting looking through these these albums that, you know, 
some of them go along exactly along the lines that I would do. Um, yeah. I, uh, another client of mine did her album a couple of months ago and she, uh, she created an album that was all black and white. It was beautiful, like right. absolutely beautiful. Very, very subtle cover. Um, didn't put any text on the cover, which is, is typically how I would, I would do it if I was doing it manually. Uh, it was almost as if I'd done it myself. Yeah. Um, but I didn't. I was in the pub while she was doing it for me. <laughs> <laughs> and that's the benefit of pick time. It's brilliant. <laughs> if you want to go to pick time, pick-time.com. And what's the offer again that we have, Kev? Fujicast is the code, all of a case, and uh, you'll get one month free. Brilliant. Um, shall we do one from email? Because we haven't. Well, this is more a, a, a sort of um, a revelation in some respects and a suggestion all in one. It's uns. Uh, dear Neil and Kev, one from Mike Miller, episode 218. That's a while back. Uh, Steve uh, Becker from uh, Vancouver, British Columbia, wrote in, made a comment about the proliferation of good content from UK based photography content creators. Two contents in one sentence, Mike. Come on. <laughs> I agree with Grammarly, Steve. Grammarly would, yeah, be doing Grammarly would have been all over that. I agree with Steve's, Steve's observation as the, the majority of photography-based YouTube channels that I also subscribe to are from the UK. Let me run through a list of names here, Kev, because maybe I, I should, uh, we should, between us, chase some of these names and, and get them on the show. Um, let me run a list of names by you. Don't, don't feel embarrassed if you do or do not know them because there's names in here that I feel I should know that I don't. Uh, Alistair Benn. No. Sean Tucker. Yes. Nigel Danson. Yes. Thomas Heaton. Yes. Doing well. Kim Grant, Visualising Scotland. Yes on me uh, for that one, yeah. Uh, no, I don't know that one. James Poppis. Mm, I think no. you do know James. The re- yeah, the name rings a yeah, bell. Yeah, but- he, he has a very sort of dry wit. Um, first man photography, Adam Carnatch, yes. Yeah. Um, Simon Baxter um, uh, yeah. with a treat. Fantastic. Jamie Windsor. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole list down here that we should... And I didn't realise just what a proliferation of great talent we have in the UK. Uh, there are two names down the end. I don't know whether you've heard of these two. Neil James, Kevin Mullins. Any idea? No. No. <laughs> No, never so, yeah, there's. He is right though. There's there's a lot of homegrown talent in the UK, isn't there? There really is. And Jamie Windsor, I remember. I used to love his YouTube um, channel. Yeah, I haven't looked at it in a long time, but if I remember rightly, he he never really presented much of his own work. It was mostly his films were based on other people's work. He has a very um, imaginative mind when he pieces together his films. They're very cleverly done. Yeah. And makes you think about it. It, it, it introduces me to a, a lot of theory that um, I I don't think I'd considered before about photography. It's very much a theorist, theorist channel in some respects. He'd probably disagree with that. Mm. don't know maybe he would yeah don't know but yes there was a handful of names i knew and some i didn't yeah mike thank you for the list on alex kilby he said miss that one yeah alex oh yeah yes yes no i definitely know that one photographic eye definitely uh right uh, it's just so that was more a kind of observation than anything shall we dip into facebook then kev indeed so uh as in time on a tradition i will start with the most recent one posted which was just three hours ago oh when you and i were probably up uh, three hours younger kev oh, yeah three oh, hours younger aged uh, so much uh, uh, nanto ceilings yes. from australia yeah. uh spending fi- that wasn't an australian accent by the way <laughs> spending <laughs> spending five weeks touring europe later this year and looking for and uh, looking at oh. safest way to store the photos from my camera which happens to be an x100f could mm-hmm. be any camera of course current plan is to take a pile of cards with me and change them when i change countries 
not taking my computer, so can't back them up to a hard drive or cloud that way. Oh. Another option is to use an SD card reader attached to the phone and back up to the cloud whenever I have Wi-Fi. Uh, prefer not to invest in one of those expensive drives that you can plug SD cards directly into. Interested to hear any other solutions, including safest way to store SD cards. I, I don't know if I'd want to do a trip that long without storing them to the cloud in some way, just the, just the JPEGs, but that's not going to be a... Uh, could you go into a, a, an internet cafe and go online and do that? Internet cafe? Well, they, <laughs> All still, right, granddad. they still have them, don't they? No, they don't. They don't have they internet do. cafes anymore. No. No, they're all, they've turned them all into <laughs> McDonald's and stuff, haven't they? Coffee shops. Internet cafe. I'm sure they. Brilliant. Okay, so that one's off the cards then. Two pounds for an hour, sir. <laughs> I, well, I've never had to use one of late, but I just thought they must still have them, surely, but obviously not. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I they, I might don't... In some, they might, in fairness, they might have them in some countries. I bet they've got them in Malmesbury. You're, <laughs> you're three light years behind everybody else. Brilliant. Um, um, well, I was the other thing I was going to suggest is get yourself one of those things you can stick an SD card into. One of the problems with all this, of course, Kev, and I don't want to be the um, um, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm touching wood for him here, uh, but it, it would be the loss of cards that that's what worries me most here that your your you know your whole world is in your one rucksack so to speak you know and if you lose it it's gone yes that that was what went through my mind uh, well a couple of questions a couple of points went through my mind i wonder what the reason is you're not taking a laptop because you know they can be so well, small these days by time yeah i mean obviously it doesn't necessarily if he's going to Europe for five weeks, he's yeah. probably spent all of his life savings on that, so he might maybe not be able to buy a new laptop. I- he doesn't iPad, have a laptop. I- iPad. iPad Pro? I- or just it doesn't even have to be a well, Pro? Yeah, so ultimately, let's go with the facts. Okay. okay? Um, there is no Inter- laptop. Yep, yep. Multiple countries. Yeah. All right. Multiple security systems at airports. Mm-hmm. This is what I would probably do in this case. I would get myself a RFID memory card protection wallet. RFID is a um, means that it's it, it's immune to being wiped when it goes through airport it's security. Fre- frequency um, coated, isn't it, or something? Or what do they call it? R- anyway. I have no idea what it stands for. Yeah. But yeah, RF. You can radio a, frequency identification. Oh, no, that can't be it. No, that's that sounds about right. RFID. Ah, you want something that stops stuff getting through that, right? Got yes. it. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. makes sense. So that will stop. You know, because sometimes, in, you know, you, you, you if you, you you might end up like a lot of these machines and stuff have big magnets and sucks all the pictures off, mm. and you see all the pictures stuck to is the. Is that magnet. true, or is that? I, I didn't think that was. It is true. It was so real these days. Well, yes. No, it can happen, certainly through airport security. I would never put memory cards through airport security without having them in an RFID lock-in yeah. compartment. I have put things through. Like, for example, when I went to Spain, I only took my X100V, and that had memory card in it. I didn't have an RFID on that, but it, it went through, and there was no problem. But it is a thing, so I, I would not risk not having that. Um, the other thing I would do is probably, it depends a little bit on how you're shooting and how many pictures you're going to be taking and all that kind of stuff. Oh no, it's X100, isn't it? Sorry. Um, no, ignore that. I was thinking if it's, if you've got two card slots. Keep one in the camera and keep one in the wallet. Well, no, pop one in the post home. 
Yeah, that was another. But I, I thought that I was about to suggest that, and I thought you might have the same go at me as, as suggesting internet. Yeah, cameras. no, no. Then I realised the cameras only got one. What you use post, Grandad? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you're posting to the you know from the UK, it might get there in about eight months after the strikes are finished. <laughs> yes. uh, um, so, well, I mean, ultimately, yeah, well. I just probably wouldn't do it that way. I would take a laptop yeah. um, or a, a big iPad. I wouldn't take an iPad, obviously, because I hate them, but uh, my tablet. Um, <laughs> no reason to hate uh, iPads, Kev. My latest one is fantastic. It's my writing tool. I put pictures on it. It's got the, the new M chip. It's it's as fast as fast as fast can be. No, I hate You'd them. love it. You really would love it. I wouldn't. I'm going to change uh, your rather- mind one day on this. What's that? What's that favourite phrase? Poke my eyes out with a pen. What's the What's the point of having a mind if you can't change it, Kev? I'm going to try and change your mind on this. <laughs> this mind is not for turning. <laughs> okay. Um, I've had them in the past. Uh, it's not yeah, so much the, the, past, the device. Yeah. It's not so much the device. I'm sure the device is very good. Yes. It's the company. Oh, oh okay. Runs blood shivers down my spine. <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about that because I will get hate mail. Um, <laughs> yes, RFID is your friend. Um, I, I probably, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm stuttering over this because you suggested lots of cards. Yeah. I might be tempted to just go with one massive card and leave it in the camera. What? Um, really? Yeah. No, Kev. Yeah. Not even not yeah. backing up as you're going along. No, but you've got more chance of losing a memory card by switching them out every five minutes. Oh, I'm shaking for him is, now. No. Sticking them in the car. sticking them in your bag all of that stuff i I would probably that's what i would probably end up doing if it was with a single card slot camera as this is i'd just take a 128 or 256 gig card stick it in the camera obviously you must not lose your camera now see there we go there's another reason to be backing up as you go along you can replace a camera you can't replace that many memories yeah true but then you know i just feel you know it's like in hotel rooms and stuff like that oh we've got to go we've got to get the flights we've got to get to the flight you know taxi come in your ex you got you leave your little wallet or yeah. you haven't put you took your memory card out of the camera last night oh. put it on the side next to the coffee machine and didn't put it back in the in the rfid protected wallet i don't know it's a tricky one i want to try uh, and change your mind here i want i want you to take an rfid wallet which i think is a really good idea from kev i do think you should have some different cards but of course you've only got the single card in the camera which is a problem and go buy yourself the cheapest little iPad or other tablet that you can just to back up this amazing life experience. Assuming you're shooting JPEG, of course. If you're shooting RAW, you're going to need a very expensive tablet mm. with a massive drive. Can't you shoot JPEG and, and RAW? fast internet if you're backing it up to the cloud. JPEG and RAW files? Yeah, well, true. Yeah, you can back up just the JPEGs. Do that. Just back up the JPEGs. Keep those RAWs for, yeah. um, for editing later on. And if all Or else- just come... Or, or the other option, of course, is... Um, Pop you round know, Kev's house. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Come around my house. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it for you. Job yeah. done. And you can meet Star the horse while you're there. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> right, shall we... Uh, let's take a break to listen to our guest. Have you, have you, have you known him for quite a while, Chrisman? Well, we've never met, but oh, yes, we've, yeah, you, we've, you, we've chatted and yeah. various things. Yeah. Ben, as I say, Ben's a really, really... I'm going to say Christmas because it's Christmas Studios. Ben, Ben's a really, really down-to-earth character, and that really comes across in your in your conversation with him. So here's, here's part two of uh, Kev's conversation with Ben Christman. 
So it, it seems to me listening to this that a lot of your um, your clients are recurring. You know, you've got, you, you, yeah. like you say, they get married, then they do the family stuff and everything. What oh. about other other marketing avenues such as, uh, well, like the, the elephant in the room is always Instagram at the moment. You know, Instagram works really well for me still. I still get a, a reasonable amount of inquiries from it. But I'm hearing from other photographers, oh, they hate it. It's just about reels. They're not showing their pictures to the right people, et cetera. Do, do you use Instagram, social media? Is that is is that a way for you to get new clients, do you think, at the moment? Honestly, we're so bad at that aspect. I've been boosting a few of the posts lately um, just to see if it works. Um, you know, being from San Francisco, we work with a lot of Silicon Valley people. So I'm, I, I talk to them about that, you know, Facebook and my Google friends. Um I think that's probably the, I think you probably got to pay to play at this point and boost those posts. Um, I know that we've been sitting at the same amount of Instagram followers for like five or six years. And I, you know, I have no idea why that hasn't gone up. It's like we had this level and then it hasn't gone anywhere. Um, so we, I don't think we actually get a lot of business from Instagram or Facebook where we get it from is SEO. Um, and then we pass clients. Those are our two main referral sources. Um yeah. And those work great. And, you know, the referrals are, the returning clients are key, you know, and I'm really proud of those because you can't do a bad job and have people come back to you. And so I've, I generally photograph the same families every single year. Um, and so it works out great because they know exactly what they're in for is in terms of price. So I really don't have to sell them on money stuff. I just have to constantly figure out how to do a better job every single time. Luckily, the kids get older, so I have different things to photograph. But that's kind of where the the um, intensity comes from me is trying to figure out a new way to photograph a family that I photographed, you know, 12 yeah. months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. And do you shoot, do, do you and Aaron shoot together the family shoots or and the weddings in fact, or do you shoot separately? Weddings were almost always together. Um, you know, there's no one I trust more than Aaron. And um, so that's really fun for us. It's going to shoot a wedding. It's almost like our date night, you know, when we, you know, fly somewhere and we, you know, go out to dinner the night before the wedding and then the wedding days are fun you know, and um, family sessions depends on what, how big the family is. If it's like one of these, a lot of people come here for vacation. So there's like two or three families. So we'll kind of tag team that. Um, sometimes we'll bring that on one of those shoots. Um, but in general, for me, photography is kind of a singular thing. I, I generally work best, you know, alone. Um, mm. And even a wedding, I am shooting most of the wedding, you know, my parts alone. It's not like Aaron and I are standing right beside each other taking the same picture um but generally you know family sessions were separated and i actually shoot a lot of headshots i really like them because i kind of approach them in a little bit different way I and mean, i can do the standard headshot but i like taking i like working with people who are passionate about what they do so doing the headshots to me it's more like i'm trying to take really cool portraits of people and yeah. um, those yeah. are fun yeah and where where do they is that is that a, do you use linkedin for that is that mostly word of mouth kind of thing people you've used you, clients perhaps using it for business headshots and stuff seo and you know we rank pretty high for charleston headshots ironically it's the thing we rank highest for and so we get a lot of leads that way um and so um that's that's how we get all the all the headshot leads and do you do all of this stuff yourself like uh you know one of the one of the questions i wanted to ask you was about outsourcing um and whether you outsource anything such as well your seo your editing uh anything really you know i think kind of for a medium to big business you know there's um, absolutely nothing wrong with outsourcing stuff it works 
Well, we we only have Matt is our full time employee. He's our only employee besides me and Aaron, I guess. Um, Mauricio and Ryan and, and Vlad, they're independent contractors. Um, so, and then Matt handles all our post processing, and he also shoots for us. Um, so it's it works great. I mean, you know, he gets paid a, a, a decent salary, and then we at, can actually make money on the shoots that he does, and he earns commissions on top of that. Um, for SEO, we've been um, we've been working with a guy named Rob Greer, who's an absolute genius. He's based out of Houston. He's really helped us a lot with SEO. Um, we did we were we did hire like a marketing person for a long time, and but it didn't really work. It it didn't it didn't what Rob has done for us has been much better than hiring a marketing team yeah um and so we don't put a lot of we we don't spend a lot of money on advertising honestly we should probably do more um than we do well it's i mean it's great that you know you said right at the top of the interview that you know one of the things you realized or somebody said to you was that you know being a a wedding portrait photographer it's mostly about the business it's mostly about the business side of it and it sounds like you've learned these lessons along along your journey that actually shooting i always say to my students that shooting is 10 percent and 90 percent of it is editing business marketing all of the other stuff um and if you can line up your your ducks if you like in a row and get the you know get the right things offloaded get uh, this guy rob for example helping you with seo and all that kind of stuff you know some people i feel are too protective of their own um businesses to allow other people to help them which i think is is probably not a good idea really well i think the first thing you should ditch is lightroom um that's always been the first thing i tell photographers don't do is lightroom hire someone to do it i think with um imagine ai coming out and fado with image line i mean those those types of services have really been saving people a lot of time yeah. um i talked to my friend robbie followell yesterday he's in mississippi and he's it's he he started using the ai service and he's like oh my gosh i only spend like two hours on a wedding now in lightroom because the the AI is working so well for him. So that'd be the first thing I ditch. I'd also get a bookkeeper and accountant because, you know, the last thing we generally like we're thinking about is money. So I just let our bookkeeper and accountant. We've had the same two said had the same bookkeeper for 15 years. So she knows our books really well. Yeah. And it also keeps us, you know, you know, running a business is very honest and, you know, we don't like taking shortcuts and I don't like making mistakes. So I just let the pros handle the things that I don't like doing, including Lightroom. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's absolutely fair enough. I'm not a great big fan of uh, sitting in front of the computer myself. Um, any, uh, you know, in terms of thinking back to weddings specifically, any, um, anything happened, like any major disasters, any, any kind of bloopers, anything that might make people think, ah, that's funny, you know, happened at a wedding to me as well or something. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> I mean, every, every wedding has their stories, you know, for sure. Um, I can't think of anything that I could say that wouldn't embarrass people because <laughs> and to me it's too private. You know, some things yeah. are just too private to to share to the world. Um, and you know, weddings are a very personal thing. You know, and you're dealing with high stress. Um, and uh, the one thing I, we've have learned is that people on their wedding days are very different than they are in real life. So you can have people who just get really stressed out about a wedding day or just really don't care about the pageantry, and they're kind of can be a little bit jerky on the wedding day, and then after the wedding, they're like some of our favorite people in the world. So we're always thinking about like what's best for them in the moment and what's best for them in 20, 30 years, because we realize what's what they're going through right now is not necessarily who they are. And some people are amazing on the wedding day because they're so happy. 
And, you know, and maybe a little bit different, you know, they're so excited about the wedding day there, you know, it's better than the real life. Um, so that's kind of the fascinating part about weddings to me is like seeing the dynamic and, um, and being able to being able to photograph that for good and bad. Like I, I love it when horrible, crazy shit happens like bad weather, all, all that kind of stuff. That's interesting to me. Like, and it, and I, and I, I feel that as a, a wedding photographer, it's important to like when things go wrong, to not feel, to not show that you're stressed out because that's the one thing that holds photographers back is their own insecurities and their own limitations. So, and, and if you are stressed, you're going to stress your clients out. So you got to just learn to roll with it. And I think the best wedding photographers are the ones who can really roll with like anything going bad and have the self-confidence and awareness to appreciate it and to actually think, Hey, this is a possibility to maybe get a really cool photo that I would never normally get because things are, you know, going south. Yeah, yeah. I still get really nervous before every wedding. You, you know, shot <laughs> six hundred weddings. Now you still get nervous before your jobs. You think? Yeah. I get nervous before family sessions or engagement sessions. Shit where I have to pose to people stresses me out. Weddings I don't stress out about because I know I'm just going in like a like a photojournalist. To me, that's really exciting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to have panic attacks before engagement sessions because it's basically two hours of me having to come up with epic portraits all day long. That's hard. Shooting docs easy. It's fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's definitely a lot of fun. Um, okay, so one of the things I wanted to mention, I know there's there's a whether they listen to the show or not, I'm not sure, but I know there's a handful of photographers in the UK who've been on the foundation workshop, um, mm. which is something you're uh I think you're one of the team leaders, uh certainly part of it. Um, and the people that I have spoken to who have been on that have said it's uh it's not only made them a better photographer, but also uh, just open their eyes to a different way of life and the personalities sure. of people. Uh, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that the foundation? Cause I think that's back up and running there, right? It is. Um, we've foundation has been going since the early two thousands. Um, and it started by, by we win in Dallas. Um, and he was kind of modeling it off the Eddie Adams workshops, um, and all these great photojournalist workshops. Um, and so, the teachers now have, you know, most of us come from journalism backgrounds or all the team leaders do. And so we're basically taking all our years of experience in, in photojournalism and shooting weddings, and we sink it into one really intense workshop. It's, I mean, I've taken a lot of workshops, I've been part of them, um, taught a lot of them. This is by far the hardest one and the most life-changing for sure. Um, it's because we've had really amazing photographers wedding photographers go to that workshop and they are absolutely suck at foundation. They're awful, but they come out of it being so much better in the long run. Um, and that's the way, you know, when I took the workshop with Knight and Nakwe in, in Crossville, you know, I was awful at that workshop. I, I, I took photos of monks and they were boring and they, they cleaned my clock and they told me how bad I was. And Anthony and Gary asked if I even should continue to be a photographer at all. And it was just like one of the most heartbreaking things that anyone's ever told me, but it really kicked my ass and made me try harder. And so, um, so it's even like a lot of photojournalism workshops are kind of loose, you know, um, they're not that expensive. And honestly, the teachers don't try quite as hard as what we do. And, you know, we're out in the field with the, with the photographers and we're the night sessions are very intense. We're very, you know, very, you know, harsh in our critiques. Um, usually day one is really bad. And day two is like a different, completely different photographer. And on the last night we have a presentation where we show all the photos and it's so, 
so jubilant and happy and everyone cheers for each other. And it's so such a supportive, um, supportive workshop and everyone, there's no egos involved unless, you know, we've had a couple students who kind of bring their ego and like come to prove how good they are. And then they're cracked pretty fast and, and it breaks them down, but then, you know, we build them back up and, and, and some of my greatest friendships have come out of foundation. And um, I think it's, I just think it's the best workshop in the world for, for wedding photographers. And the cool thing is we don't talk about weddings at all at the workshop. It's all documentary and it's, we apply the same ethics that we had in journalism to the workshop. So you can't move things, you can't fake things. And that's what makes it really, really challenging because wedding photographers are used to everything being put on a silver platter for them. Like this happens and this happens and this happens and everything's beautiful and everyone's happy. And you go into, you know, photographing, you know, a meat market or like some crazy thing that, you know, a chocolatier and it's really challenging all of a sudden they're like, they don't know what to do. And then we're, that's what we're there to help them kind of, you know, stay focused, um, you know, don't get bored and, and push through and keep pushing through those moments and be impatient and, and having and pre-visualize your shots and, and also owning being a photographer because most what most photographers don't believe that they have they don't have the confidence to like own that they are a photographer they're either you know don't feel like they're good enough or they don't deserve to be there or they're going to get in someone's way or they're going to interfere or they're going to make someone mad at them you have to get rid of all that bullshit and own the fact that you're a photographer and you need to stand exactly where you need to stand because you know best how to get the photo because that's what people want from you you know Mm -hmm. they don't want if it's they wanted just a casual photo, they just pull their iPhone out, and take a picture. You're there to get something different, and that's what we teach people how to do. Yeah, no, it sounds amazing. One day, one day I'll get there. I hope. Um, when is it? It's 2023. Yeah, February 23 in Lawrence, Kansas, which is a place I've always wanted to go because one of my photo heroes was a photo editor at the newspaper there. It's going to be price. I mean, it's probably going to be cold and like you know, it's it's middle of America. Uh, it's real. Like people are generally more open in the middle part of America versus the coasts. Um, so people are generally pretty nice, but the students have to, or they get to find their own story. If they can't find their own story, we're going to give them one. But the real advantage to this specific foundation workshop is every photographer gets to kind of research Lawrence, figure out what they might want to shoot. And we're going to help guide them through that process of picking a story. And so when they hit, when they land, they go straight into it. Yeah, no, it does sound amazing. And like I said, the people I know who have been on it have said it's it's been brilliant. Um, okay, so uh, just final couple of questions. What, what what are you what are you shooting with these days at your uh, family <laughs> weddings, whatever? You know what what gear? You know, I, I'm so much like you. I mean, I, I love affair with those X Pros. So I sh- I shoot with the two X Pro th- threes, two XT fours, and the 100s. So it's all Fuji. You know, I shoot with the, um, the tw- I, honestly, I shoot the new 18 more than anything else. I've really gone to the 1856 combo yeah. more than the 23 or f- equivalent of, I've always shot 35, 85, yeah. equivalent. but the new, the 18 is so awesome. And I've really gotten used to having that 28 millimeter focal length. So that's honestly what I shoot with the most at weddings, you know, the, the 28 millimeter 85 equivalents, um, thrown in with the 50 and the 35 yeah that new 18 mil i mean i was i was exclusively 23 56 
And then when that new 18 came, I mean, I even did one of the promo films for Fujifilm for the 20, for the new 23. And uh-huh. then when the 18 came, I was like, uh, yeah, actually I'm going <laughs> to use this instead. <laughs> I know it's crazy, man. And I have the new 23 too. It's just, I, I really appreciate the 28 focal length now more than I ever have. Well, I suppose you've always got that on your X100S, haven't you? So, you know, it's that focal length is always there available to you. Um, yeah. Okay, one one question I always ask the, the guests that I interview on the show is um, if you could shoot for one day with one other photographer, they might not even be alive any longer, uh, who would it be and, and why? Gosh, that's a great question. Um, I would probably go with Matthew Brady, Civil War photographer, because I'm obsessed with the Civil War and I would want to be out there with him to do that. I mean, of course, Papa, you know, Sally Mann, um, and there's so many great shooters out there, but I mean, I mean, I, I fantasize so much about going back in time and what would I shoot. Um, I would really, and there's so many aspects, but I'm, I would probably pick the Civil War Matthew Brady. Yeah, good, good answer, very good answer. Well, I don't think we've had him before. Um, excellent, uh, Ben, it's been amazing. Thanks so much for chatting. Where can people find you on the internet, websites, all of that kind of stuff? Um, we're really easy to find. It's ChristmasStudios.com and at Christmas Studios for everything else. Yeah, and they can find you. People can follow you on Instagram to get your your likes, your, your followers up a little bit as well. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. And our thanks to Ben Chrisman for being uh, our guest. Second part playing through this week. If you missed the first, it's a couple of weeks ago. Right, Kev. While that fortnight was, ago. Fortnight ago. While I was playing that, Kev, or while we were playing that, Kev, I was having a bit of a look online because I wasn't so sure that internet cafes did not exist anymore. And I've found a few. And um, where are they? Quantum Web Cafe. Oh, no, that one's closed. <laughs> <laughs> that was in Reading. Closed. <laughs> um, the Awale Internet Cafe. Closed. Uh, Swindon. Right, okay. I, I think the point I'm trying to make is just <laughs> it's just backfiring on me. Oh, no, here we go. There's one just up the road from me. Thatcham. Pop-in Cafe. That Not- doesn't sound like internet. That sounds like a very different thing. <laughs> Kevin, Bring your own no, no. pills. we do not have that kind of establishment in these parts <laughs> that's just a coffee shop actually all right well the fact is it'd be hard for him to find an internet cafe <laughs> yeah it's true that internet cafes do still exist today but their reputation has changed have they while many people still find them useful when traveling especially in developing countries where internet access in a hotel might be harder to come by they are not so much seen as a part of our daily digital lives and only now exist in Malmesbury. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely haven't got one here. Well, that's um, it then. But, so. but uh, the, the other thing we didn't mention, though, during that question is that a, a lot a lot of the countries, uh, a lot of the major cities in a lot of the countries have open Wi-Fi, um, What's just open? general open free Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi on the streets. Oh, right, okay. A, well, lot, of the country, a lot of the cities in Spain do that, so that, uh, depending on where you are, might be an option. It's security an issue with stuff like that. Only if you've got dodgy stuff. <laughs> well, no, no, it's not dodgy stuff. It's if, if you do your banking from your phone and stuff like that. Oh, no, I don't think so. That no? The security is done by the app, isn't it? Oh, it, that's true. It, it, I don't think that, that's an issue. Well, there we go. So um, 17 years ago, the first internet cafe in the UK. Wow. So, yeah, Amazing I, how fast that I mean, I remember working at Microsoft Yeah. Um, and there was no internet. I mean, they had network. What, a Microsoft? But there was no, no internet? When I first started, it was like 1989 or something. They didn't have, like, you, you couldn't browse. I remember when they came, some guy came from the IT team 
and uh, installed Netscape Navigator on my computer. Oh, I remember Nats- Netscape Navigator. That was the first. I think that was the first browser we used in radio. Netscape. Yeah, it was. It was the first. It was the first mainstream one. Wow. Uh, and there's uh, a memory. I was like, "What's this then?" Yeah. He said, "This is a it's an internet browser." I was like, "What's that then?" <laughs> he said, "It's for browsing the internet." And I was like, "What's that then?" What's the internet? Then? <laughs> he said, ne- "Type something into it." And, and it's. <laughs> It's still the same now, isn't it? You bring up Google or whatever and you think, what should I type? Yeah. You know, your mind goes completely blank. I have no idea what I type. I wonder what the first thing, this will be an interesting topic. What's the first thing you ever searched for? Nobody would ever remember, surely. Mm. Did you have a <laughs> Yahoo account? Uh, Everybody had a Yahoo account. I don't, think, Yahoo I don't account. think I ever had a Yahoo, Yahoo. account. I don't Never. think I did. <laughs> Um, right. I, had a, I had one of the original Hotmail accounts. I had a good name. I, I think I had Kevin Mullins. At Hotmail. Is that not, not available now anymore? No, I, I would have let, let that gone long, long time ago. and know somebody else probably has oh, it. Okay. Right, questions. Um, Jaggy JPEG. No way. Is it from him? Is it actually from the legend? The legend. Jaggy JPEG. No, it's not. Uh, it's just the name reminded me of it. It's from Ollie Jaggy. Uh, if you're thinking who's Jack Jaggy JPEG, he, I don't know whether Jaggy JPEG still exists, but uh, it was it was the chap in Wales, wasn't it, that... Um, uh, yeah. that shot weddings that just what what happened there you just sent a d- disc back or something no he would just turn up he would stick his memory card on medium medium jpeg which in the old days shooting cannon the icon was a jaggy looked like steps yeah stairs and then at the end of the day he'd just hand the memory card over to the bride and groom and go home <laughs> <laughs> how much did he charge for that do you remember oh it was low low ball but busy he was one of the most probably one of the, one of the most profitable was wedding he? photographers of his generation. <laughs> he had hundreds of people working for him doing it. And uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's, I always say there's, you know, his USP was, he was cheapest and he got the pictures to them quickest. Yeah, and did. and yeah. people, people, there are some people who want that and, yeah. and good luck to him. He's probably, as I said before, sat on a yacht somewhere now. Yeah. Yeah. Called Jaggy JPEG. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> yes. Uh, dear Neil, dear Kev, if you could choose features or elements from different existing cameras to create your dream camera, what would they be? Uh, on my beloved XE2, I can use the AFL button to focus and lock focus at once, but I can't on my XT2. On that one, this is only possible in the manual focus mode. But I love the feature, and I'd like to know if it's possible with the XE3, the X-Pro2, or the X100T Stroke F. I ask this because I have some gas to digest. Love you, <laughs> Oliver. <laughs> Can he do that, first of all? No. Um, so, yes, he's right. On the older cameras, you could really only decouple autofocus with the AFL button on the back and exposure lock in with the half depression of the shutter button by sticking the camera in manual focus mode, right. which is exactly what I still do now with all of the cameras. I still operate that way. Uh, you can change it now. You've got AF on buttons and you've got AF lock options and all kinds of funky stuff. But as I always say to people in my workshops, just stick it in manual focus mode. It just works. Um, so, yeah, he's dead right about that. Uh, the original question, or the first part of his question... It's about, about choosing you, different features and elements from, di- from ideal existing camera, cameras. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I would like to take everything that is in the X-H2S mm-hmm. and have it in an X-70 body. That's it. That's the, that's the that's it done. Why? That's my ideal camera. Why? Well, because it will be super 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 technically advanced, mm-hmm. very quick to focus, amazing filming, all of that stuff, and it would just be in a matchbox sized little box. I think that's a nice idea, but I'd like to put that in an X100V body. 
Yeah, okay, Sim- similar so principle. So same but. sort of thing, actually, because I, I, the X-T2, for me, it's all about the skin tones. I know I go on and on and on and on and on and on about it, but I love the skin tones that I'm, I'm achieving out of the X-H2S. Everything in a slightly smaller body, lovely. Although maybe that body, you, you had uh, an idea, but I'm wondering if your idea was based... I did wonder, actually, whether your idea was based on something that you know, Kev, that we don't know. No, uh, absolutely not. <laughs> but I'm going to ask it anyway. Uh, we about, shall consider. About the idea of having the um, SD card slot, but instead of a second SD card slot, having a big old memory uh, within the camera that acts as your second slot. Ah, uh, yeah, I think that will happen at some point. That started happening in other, I think, uh, is it Leica that have done that with one of theirs, or maybe it's Panasonic? I don't know, I can't remember. But, I mean, there w- at one point that was that was on the table, I think. Um, but having internal memory and um, why did that turn into a we shall consider? Because that's what it sounds like to me. Because too many of us stamped our feet and said, "No, we need two memory cards." It's fine having internal memory, but we need two memory cards as well. well so, on top of on top of internal yeah. memory, that's just greedy, Kev. Yeah, no, it's not really, is it? Because what happens if you know you your camera breaks or so? So let's say your memory. Let's say you're on a five month trip around Europe and yeah, yeah, you've got yeah. a camera with one memory card slot or even two memory card slots and and a oh sorry one memory card slot and a big massive uh, internal memory and you know you take your memory card out and you leave it by the coffee pot because you've got to go and get a flight. You're losing your you know your taxis coming outside. You're getting a sense of deja vu here, Kev. Yeah, and then your camera breaks. Well, that's a lot to happen that's, you know, unfortunate. Or, you know, you shoot an entire wedding Mm. and you forget to set the setting to backup. You have it to sequential or continuous. And so all of your wedding is nice and safe on your SD, internal SD memory card. And then on the way home, you drop your camera and it breaks and it has to go off to the good folks at Bedford to get repaired. And then, you know, what, you know, maybe part of the repair process is an internal reset. Ooh. Ooh. This is not sounding, sounding good. I, I would have thought, though, if you do have that system, wouldn't it make sense to have it, it, it as default set to backup? Well, yeah, but people change things. Mm, that's true. The amount of things you All right, take, the, take, the, that the menus. take that button away then. Don't let them change it. <laughs> the, the menus that I've uh, – I've, the way people set up their cameras I've discovered over the years is some of them are, are you know, just, like, weird, mm. very weird. Um, so yeah, two memory card slots and internal memory, fine. However, I, I think that would make them very expensive and um, and big, bigger because obviously you need an SD card in there or a flash drive, and they're big. You know, if you if you open up a camera, they they spend so much time the engineers m- making sure that there's no wasted space so the cameras can be as small as physically possible. Yeah. Uh, you know, stick something like that in there. It's going to make it bigger. So, yeah, I think that's. I mean, what I what I what I've always said. Well, since nineteen ninety seven, when the first internet cafe opened, <laughs> is um, is ultimately, I think what will happen is we'll get to the point where you take a picture, and it goes up when five G is is prevalent. It goes up the wire. Yeah. And by the time you get home, it's in your in your Dropbox and edited and edited. Brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we're not, you know, um, AI editing. It's getting better, Kev. I got onto that thing. What's it called? That AI photo oh, generating thing. Oh, yeah, I haven't. Wally, Wally, W A L I E or something. 
Um, that film. Yeah, I can't. I can't remember what's called. Anyway, I got. I, I I was on the waiting list, and I got. They sent me a, an access, so I got on there, right. and I typed in "man with big eyes, glasses." Right. in a library with light coming from the left-hand side. You were that and it specific? Made incredible photograph. Did it? Yeah, incredible photograph. Oh, no, really? However, I then tried something like um, bride and groom walking down the aisle. Mm. I just wrote that. That should be easy. It came, it was awful. It came mm. back. It looked like uh, a complete, it looked like an exosket, 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 exosket. Etch a sketch. Get a sketch to etch. I know what you mean, yeah. Exca sketch. No, it was it was um etch a was it etch a sketch? That's what I said. Exca sketch. No, I'll look it up while you're trying to remember. Etch a sketch. Here we go. Etch a sketch. Exca sketch. No, etch a sketch. Etch a sketch. Etch. Say it with me. Etch. 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 A sketch. Sketch. This is a bit like your... What's the other one you can't say that makes you sound drunk? Drinks reception. Drinks reception. (laughs) Etch-a-sketch. There was a guy at drinks reception with an (laughs) etch-a-sketch. You'd be in trouble. (laughs) People do amazing things on etch-a-sketch, by the way. Have you seen some of the pictures that people... Stop showing off with your words. (laughs) (laughs) No, people can do amazing portraits and stuff. Yeah. Good for them. It's re- <laughs> I can't even say it. <laughs> it's not something that you want for Christmas, then. I tell you what, I'll be the other a couple of. Well, yeah, where were we? It was in Spain, I think. He said, uh, "Granddad, have you got a notebook, a pat, and, and a pencil?" And he went, yeah, he's never done any drawing or anything in his life. Was he talking to uh, you when he said that? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's what he calls me, Granddad. And uh, off he went. He he spent an afternoon drawing. And then said, "What do you think about this, Dad?" And it was it was absolutely incredible. It was it was like some mountain with a hand under it. I think he'd done it off a um, tutorial, but it yeah. was just you know I can't even draw a straight line. It was it was I was like, "Did you just do that?" And Ch- so child genius, child genius. Yeah, I might get him an extra sketch. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyway, going back to the artificial intelligence stuff. Yeah. I, the more simple kind of, well, I, I've seen some incredible things like coming out of it, absolutely incredible, worrying things coming out of it. Um, but it, it could not do, you know, uh, like bride and groom walking down the aisle. And of course, you, you know, from an editorial point of view, marketing point of view, marketing photography point of view, it is probably a worry. Wedding photographers don't, you know, I, was, I saw a thread on a Facebook group the other day. This artificial intelligence uh, software stuff is, is going to ruin wedding photography. And I'm like, not really, is it? Because you know, the people in the pictures are different. You yeah. want, you want yeah. the people you want to give your wedding photos to, they've got a specific look. <laughs> yeah. They are your friends. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Unless so, AI knows what uncle Fred looks like, can put, can put yeah. everybody in there. I'll send you a list AI, every single one on there. I'd like you to pop in there, please. Yeah, and we won't even right. bother having a wedding. We'll just look back at the AI photographs and say, wasn't that a wonderful day? Do you remember it? No, it must have had far too but much you, you know, like uh, maybe in 300 years' time, that's what people will do. Yeah, you never know. Yeah, just send everybody to your wedding and you go and off to the And it will just appear in your retinas. Uh, yeah, that's it. Or your retro-sketch. Or your ex-sketch. <laughs> I got, no more uh, receptions. I got a quote. Uh, I had to prepare a quote the other day for a voice agency who asked me to do a stack of words so that I can be – I don't know what it's for. I, I think it's for some sort of announcement system and i said to the chap i said so all right so i'm going to give you a stack of words and what's going to happen 
So, well, we would never need to use you for that company again because we can make all the sentences that we want out of it now. Because uh, we've like got the train, your voice. The trains can. The train said, well, okay, I get this. So, essentially, if if I gave my voice to every single agency with this many hundreds words of words, would you ever need to use me again? No, he said. <laughs> so I can write myself out of this work by giving you. A, yeah, he said. Can you do? It, can you do it by Monday? No. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, there we go. Right, moving on. Uh, pick time pick hyphen time.com thank you so much for supporting the show uh, you are the fuel for your, for our etcher sketch here and of course uh, we we both use you myself and kev to present our work online i wanted just to add because i was showing this the other day to somebody called theodore teddy and he was interested it was teddy wasn't it I'm you sure. got a guitar no or was it it could have been patrick and you're looking at me now, Kev, thinking, whoever it was, just tell me the story. It might have yeah. been Patrick. Anyway, and he was interested to see uh, – it was Patrick because he was interested. I'm recording all of these words, by the way. I'm going to cut them up into <laughs> little bits and sell them. You won't need to have me as a co-presenter anymore. I don't know why people don't come to me to do voiceovers. <laughs> well, well, they could. You just put yourself out there, Kev. Put yourself yeah. out there. Yeah, extra sketch. Just really. describe yourself. Um, Welshman with Welsh stroke Englishy kind of accent. Big eyebrows, can't say too well. And just as long as you're not doing adverts for Etch a Sketch <laughs> or drinks receptions, you'll be fine. <laughs> anyway, he said Before to me, names. Yeah, he said to me in pick time, come on, keep with the script. Uh, he said to me in pick time, Can you show other stuff but your social work? And I th- said, Yes, I use pick time and I'm using it at the moment. I'm doing a commercial job with a landscaping company. And I'm because you can put everything into chapters, can't you? Essentially, and it looks yeah. really nice presented that way. So each particular, and it's sequential at the moment. Um, each particular job that I've done comes up because I'm doing quite a few days for them. Comes up with the dates. Uh, I've chosen what I think are the uh, uh, here we go commercial phrase coming up. The hero images, the ones that I think that they should use. I've made larger within within the uh, within the show that's sent to them. So they're yeah. thinking, ah, uh, that, yeah, I see what you mean. And then they can see all the other ones that sit by the side. But I've essentially I've guided them the way that I want to use the images. And I yeah. thought that's another way of using PickTime quite cleverly for your commercial clients. Yeah, so that that's actually a recent update to PickTime in that when you send the gallery uh, off to them, uh, you know, you let's just say uh, it's a wedding, just for the, the sake of argument, and you've got, I don't know, 250, 300 pictures in there. It would, so it presents them to them. You can choose the layout, actually. You can choose whether you want a grid and stylized, all that kind of stuff. But it would pick the, depending on how many images, there would be a handful of hero images, i.e. bigger. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, it would it would randomise those effectively. Uh, well, not randomise them, but it would it would pick on your behalf um but now you can uh, you can control all of that and you can also control again another update recently where you can control which pictures are used on the product samples so it would it would use i think it used to use the first image um in in the series so you know for the you know when it's showing a, pr- a preview of an album or a preview of a print or something and now you can select which image you want to use so it's all good and going back to that commercial element of things you know another thing that i like about it with pick time is that you once you allocate a gallery to somebody um you can just allocate another gallery to that same email address so when they log on next time they've got access to two galleries and oh, all of that kind of stuff you I'm know not, and I'm it's not done it that way right okay it's very 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 clever and it's all self-contained you know they can reset their own passwords and and all of that stuff and yes of course they are helping us on the show but you know neil and i are long-time users of it we pay for it ourselves um and uh you know they're helping us we're helping you by telling them telling you about <laughs> extra sketches drinks receptions 
and pick time. And pick time. One thing I can say right. Infinitely <laughs> easier. Well, thank goodness you're doing an advert for pick time and not for Etch-a-Sketch. <laughs> but if you do want to use pick time, we have a special offer. Pick-time.com. Then, then enter what, Kev? Fujicast. Fujicast. Uppercase. Uppercase. Here you go. One month free. Job yeah. done. Yeah. Right, questions. I think we have time for maybe one more, Kev, from Facebook. Okay, so um, this is one uh, from Tom Flaherty, and he says, could you guys discuss on the show using a polarizer? I use them from time to time. I also understand and believe that you can't replace all that a polarizer does with software. Do you use them? Do you like them? Tom Flaherty from Houston, Texas. I'm more likely to pick up my ND, my circular ND, than I am a circular polarizer. Yeah, if I want to make some nice, vivid skies or look. Actually, I, I wished I had it a couple of weeks ago. I was uh, in Scotland and uh, I was by a loch, Loch Marie. Beautiful, Kev. Absolutely amazing. You mm. Actually, you were in Scotland that weekend when I first went up. I thought, I'll meet up with Kev. I had no idea just how big the country is. Oh, it's enormous. <laughs> Well, I, 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 when I, I sound like I've never been to Scotland before. I have. I've worked there a lot. But I, I'd forgotten just how vast some of it is. And Kev was nowhere near me anyway. It's so beautiful. Scotland, it is beautiful. Like absolutely beautiful. They do have a slight midge problem. The midges by the locks. Yeah. Honestly, these things could have picked me up. There were so many of them and deposited me along the, along the shoreline. There were loads, Kev, in my eyes, in my ears. They were in my pants, everywhere. <laughs> scratching for at least two days. Oh. Doesn't that make you feel like scratching when somebody says, "Oh, they're just running down your leg, they're in your sleeves"? No, it makes me it makes me want to get a different presenter, co-presenter. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I've completely forgotten what I was going to say. Now, where were we? I'm Polarizers. Thinking, oh yes, you were by a lock. By a lock, and I looked into the lock, and it was really it was fascinating because the um, some of these locks, so you you can walk out like three, four um, steps, and then. Woof, goes into the abyss very deep yeah. and i wanted it i wanted to show where where the you know the clear water started to draw and a polarizer would have been great for that but where's a polarizer when you need one yeah i, I i'm not the right person to ask because i i do i've got a couple of polarizers they're in this massive cupboard i've got here full of all of the shit that i've bought over the years i've never actually used <laughs> and uh so i've never used one but i, I think Tom is right though that you can't you can't exactly replicate no, in terms can't. of the light fall no. off what a polarizer can do in Photoshop or Lightroom. Uh, I think you can get pretty close, but I, I don't think you can actually do it. And I, I would I would hazard a guess. I'm only guessing yeah. that um, you, you know your serious landscapers, your fine art landscapers, yeah. are probably using polarizers regularly. For those that don't know what a polarizer is, by the way, it's a uh, it's a filter that you screw onto the front of your lens, or in some cases you use um, battens. Effectively, uh-huh. um, I, I'm not sure if you can get variable ones of polarizers, but you can get different densities. Well, you can, yeah. So one, yeah, one stop, can, four stop, ten stops. Yeah, you can roll in. Stuff. You can roll in. I've got a variable. Yeah. It was. I t- I t- this is a, an ND filter I'm talking about now, not not polarizer. But but um, you know those cotton wool water full shots that you absolutely loathe, Kev. Mm. It's not your favourite, I know. But no. I was um, spotting the guys by a waterfall, making some gorgeous pictures of this waterfall with you know, and using an ND filter to to be able to you know make that motion of the water nice and milky. And I thought, I wonder what I can do with um, because I had this these 
wonderful tripods and cameras with i mean one of the lads had a had a a, a big wallet with uh, filters that were in them with all the numbered filters so you sort of roll the wallet out and it would have everything you needed in there and i thought oh well i just had my x100v and a thin very good travel tripod and i thought i wonder what i can do with this and my built-in nd filter what I, I don't, what an amazing thing that is to have in an X100V, Kev. Yeah. That built-in yeah. four stops, isn't it? Uh, it's six on the X100V. Six, six uh, stops. I think it's six or it might be five. I anyway, should, I the previous know. ones are three. Know. Yeah. It's more than three. Amazing. Three. Amazing. Such a powerful little box, isn't it? Well, yeah. And if you stack them, because you can stack filters, of course. So, you know, you can you could, you could have two two stops to make four. You could have a 10 stop and a five stop to make 15 stops. Um, I use them when I'm filming. So when I do, I've started doing my YouTube stuff again recently and I was, I used, I filmed my recent, my latest one on a, on the, the new 56 mil F 1.2 lens, um, which is a brand new kind of straight out of the box. Um, and I wanted to test it at F 1.2 filming and the face detection and all that kind of stuff. Um, and of course I could, I I had to put a, so I put a 10 stop ND filter on that, whacked my lights on, worked perfectly, looked really nice, got the exposure perfect. Job done. Um, I will just say to the the chaps that were making those pictures, they were they were fantastic, and perhaps a little more subtle than mine. De- definitely. Have you ever talking talking of granddad moves? Have you, have you ever used a a graduated tobacco filter, Kev? Uh, no, oh, I have put a pair of tights on the front of my lens. Though. <laughs> have you? Yeah. Oh. I did that um, when I was with Damien Lovegrove once. Oh, was it? enough. They were his tights. <laughs> I was going to say, whose <laughs> tights were they? Right. I, I, have we got time for a, another question? Do you think we – have we got a QQ going on in your Facebook or shall I press the number six on that? Uh, I've I got a reasonably quick question. Go on then, that's um, the QQ. Denise Bass, she says, hello, I'm setting up my store um, and – one of the steps is to add to terms of service. I'm curious what your terms of service is. Are is there standard language for that? If I customize, cut and paste, um, or do I need to have a lawyer write something up? Um, so that, and, and this isn't kind of uh, thought through as such, but this this is something that you like with pick time, for example, the T's and C's. They yeah. just pre-program that, and it will replace it with Kevin Monner's photography and all that kind of stuff. Because the T's and C's on on their website is based on their so their use of cookies and all that kind of stuff, because technically, even though it looks like it's part of your website, it's actually being handled by their servers. Yeah. So, so they look into all of that stuff. If you're doing it manually yourself, if you need to think about a lawyer, it seems a bit complicated, but just make sure they're right, yeah, and they need to be fair on both sides of the party. God, so complex, Kev. Wasn't life easier when we just created on Etch-a-Sketches? Oh, well, have you heard about the, the hassle with Google Fonts in Germany? No, Oof. no, what's that about then? Oh, uh, so um, GDPR and all that kind of stuff, you know, I have to say, probably the one and only benefit of Brexit is this. Um, so, and I think it's only happening in Germany right now. Because Google Fonts, are, uh, uh, the actual font themselves, sits on a Google server, somebody is suing people are going around websites and suing them because they're using google fonts which and then explicitly saying that this font is on another server and it's gdpr and all of that kind of stuff oh my word oh i know very 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 complicated also, why? Yeah. why 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 yeah. why would you do it just get a life yeah that's somebody who needs to get out far more often and appreciate that there's more important things happening in the world indeed yeah, yes definitely 
But yeah, that's just my opinion, obviously. And mine. <laughs> yeah. uh, t- does, if you use, um, say, Squarespace, can I assume... Well, that's you- where I read it. This is, is in the Squarespace Circle forum. Oh, where, This is where it? I picked up on it. It was all these um, Squarespace website owners in Germany have been getting these emails. What? Saying from the GDPR commission or whatever, saying you, if you're using Google fonts, you are breaking the law. Um, and you must stop using them and or we will find you and all this kind of stuff so yeah it's like oh my god oh my word very horrible yeah very horrible well there we go that's a nice cheery way to end the show if you're in Germany I'm sorry about about that that problem is obviously happening at the if that's a bit of a bombshell for you yeah, 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 yeah. you might want to just double check it <laughs> have a nice or day buy yourself an extra sketch and just do that <laughs> All right, that's it for this week. Uh, we'll see you in a, a couple of weeks' time. Of course, uh, for, for our patrons. Fortnite. Uh, uh, yes, Fortnite. For our, for our patrons. Should we do a gloves-off chat next uh, on the on the patron channel next week? Should we do a gloves-off chat? You and me, you in the red corner, me in the blue corner, about Apple. Oh. Is, it t- is it time? Is it time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fine. That's fine. I'll go and get my kendo sticks. <laughs> that's nasty, Kev. That's fighting talk. All right, see you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye-bye. Bye. The Cast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.